Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. So, Dominique, I'm sitting here on a very windy day. The wind has really kicked up. You're, I gather you're having snow today. And in this kind of weather, the horses always, they always feel full of energy. And I know when when the first snows fall, the horses get really silly. And I have to be extra careful when I'm around them because they're full of bounce. They, there's something about snow that just makes them bouncy, sort of like Tigger in Winnie the Pooh. Like dogs and children, too. Yes, yes. Snow <laughs> snow makes them playful. Yep. The, go- the goats hate snow, which I oh. find really peculiar. I mean, they're dressed in cashmere. That's right. You know, you should be nice and warm and toasty under all of that cashmere. And they're going, oh. Oh, it's just disgusting. You know, we don't want to. We don't want to put our noses out in that, and we certainly don't want to walk in it or play in it. Ugh. But the horses love to play in the snow and roll, and roll, and yes, and I love the energy and the bounce. But it does make it all the more important that we've built a good relationship and we've built really solid space management, because on these bouncy days. You want to make sure that that there aren't accidents where they thought you were going to zig a little faster than you zig, zigged and and there's a collision. So I think all the more it becomes important to going into this cold part of the year to review those foundation lessons and make sure that you can send a horse to a mat and you can ask for head down and you can ask them to move over and back up and shift out of your space and so on. And that they do so easily and readily and happily. You know, they don't feel like they're some little kid that's been told to um, sit at your desk and, and put your head down until you can show me that you're quiet, you know, where it's, they're being punished for their exuberance. But just that you can manage their exuberance. Yeah. The- you know, I feel my, because I'm very, very, very careful myself when I'm on ice with a horse or even with my dog. I don't want to fall. And so I walk super slowly, like really slow. And my horses and my dog, they just wait for me. That's nice. They walk at my pace and it's like a granny's pace (laughs) but they're fine with it I've always walked like that on ice I'm always super careful I'm not a brave person on ice and they just they're fine with it that was always something that Anne appreciated with Panda Panda's the the mini I trained to be a guide for for Anne and she's so good about slowing down and being really careful and actually offering, Anne will say you can really, she can feel her really getting underneath Anne's hand and steadying her when they're on ice, hmm. which is somewhat different from the guide dogs that they tended to be more, we're not slipping, let's just keep going. And, and Panda slows right down and is so very careful, which is 
one of the things that's really fun to watch in the way that she works. Well, it's also safe because if they weren't like that, it would not be safe. And what it, no. you know, when you say these are the things that allow them sometimes to actually go out because sometimes their paddock is fine, but on the way to, um, you know, even if you put some sand on the ice, you know, there might be places, they're on four legs, we're on two. And so sometimes if you, if a horse is not like that, you just cannot take him out. That's right. I have to chuckle since you're using the slipping on ice. So the other day I stepped out of the grain room, the, you know, the, the, the outside door going out into the barnyard and there's a, a stall mat just outside the door and it was black ice and I stepped out on it and went flying just landed ouch so I I had my annual bone density test got up just fine so I I passed that (laughs) that test okay and I went off and did the the goats and I came back and and you know how Jesus says there has to be a change in the environment for learning to occur right apparently apparently there had not been a sufficient change in the environment because learning had not occurred. So I stepped right onto that stall mat and slipped again. And it really is, it was just so fascinating uh, in terms of, I didn't, that that time I didn't slip as, as, as hard, but I just thought that was such a great demonstration of, you know, there has to be a change in the environment for learning to occur. Just had a great, great clinic with uh i was i was in australia uh via zoom i always have to add that 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 i'm not getting on airplanes but we we had this great clinic with uh the group from australia and one of the horses had an it was a really interesting case history and and something that happens sadly more often than than you want it. He was a horse that she had bred, and she had raised him as a clicker-trained horse. And but she wasn't feeling quite confident enough to start him herself. And so she sent him off to a trainer, to somebody that she liked and trusted. But he did not get along with the trainer at all. And came back sooner rather than later, and came back a very angry, Hmm. angry horse. And what was interesting was that one of the behaviors that he now found intolerable was targeting. So he'd been, yeah. How come? Well, we don't know because we weren't there. But it was she showed a, a video clip of his behavior uh, soon after he got back from this trainer, where she was offering him a target to touch. Was, was and, the trainer a clicker trainer? No. No. No, he was no, a no, traditional no. trainer. Traditional and what, trainer. what was she using as a target? She was using a target stick. So it was a um, sort of like a dowel with, it was an, with a, not sure quite what it was that was glued on the far end of it. But in any event, he was pinning his ears and snaking out and biting at the target. It was just not what you want. And so we talked a lot about extinction and the extinction process and macro extinction versus micro extinction. And we talked about 
loopy training and, and that you have to have a really, really small kernel of yeah. behavior. And thank God for small kernels. Yes. They absolutely. are our saviors. Yes. And that you need a change in the environment. Yeah. You know, for learning to occur, change things up. And that you can test things. You can ask your horse questions. So she videotaped a training session where I think she just did some really brilliant things. And one of the things that she did, in addition to making the loop really small and working first on some of the food delivery, so he was more relaxed about the food delivery. And so there were a number of changes that, that she did that prepped this. But instead of standing to present the target, she sat down. That's smart. And it was really just, it, it was enough to bring tears to your eyes, really, to see the change in this horse. Instead of having that hard, angry, frustrated expression where everything is quick and snatchy and, and get out of my face and get out of my space, his face was soft. He was relaxed. It's like she had her horse back. Don't you love science? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. It's amazing. You know, and, and, I, and I love having sort of the, the explanations and understandings of why this works. Yeah. You know, that, that we've done procedures like this before in the past. So in a sense, you could say she wasn't doing anything dramatically different from what we might have talked about trying in the past but now we can do it with so much more understanding of the whys why does it, this work and that means that you can be better at it you can do it with more intent you know, more yeah, deliberate and, and it's because it puts you on a path you know I don't know that she would have thought about this to to change something in the environment like she just did that small change if we didn't have all this information, you know, from Jesus and I don't know, if she, maybe she would have, but I think it's just, we now know when we're stuck to go there quicker, change the environment. Yes. And, and that changing the environment doesn't have to mean put your horses on a trailer and go board somewhere else. That's right. You know, it can be the difference between standing to present a the target, target and, sitting. and sitting to. Mm. And she did a really interesting test, where she had basically a white lid off a supplement container, and she offered the lid, and she was standing up, and she offered him the lid, and he and we saw this snatchy behavior, and then she sat down, and his facial expression was just night and day. Hmm just absolutely soft as could be. Fascinating. So what did you, t because I'm sure someone asked you, how is she going to get to a point where she could use targeting to walk besides her horse and take him from point A to point B? How will she get from sitting to back to where? How to build it in really small loops. And the what people tend to do is they tend to go too fast. They mm -hmm. jump too fast and her horse will tell her really clearly but as she builds out his repertoire and builds his his confidence in 
how she is going to be with him that it won't be it won't take long at all before she'll be able to use a target you know Standing as up. we normally would mm-hmm. yeah 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 but she's not going to be able to just jump from Okay, now I'm sitting down and now I'm standing up without putting some some steps in between. And she'll know. She'll know because if it's clean, if there's no, not that, all those signs of the ears going back and all that, she'll know whether she's going fast enough or not, too fast. Right. Yep. Right. The animal will tell her. So it's all, you know, the, the beauty of this is it's all testable. So you yeah. can you can have a hypothesis, you know. Oh, I, I think my horse is pinning his ears because the other horses are too close. You know, I'm I'm working in a paddock, and the other horses are really are right up against the fence watching, and there's a lot of social pressure. It, it may not feel like pressure to me, but I think maybe the the expression, the tension that I'm seeing my horse is one of uh, a herd dynamic. Well, that's testable. Put some hay out for your other horses so that it's at the uh, further away from the fence so that they move further away, that, that they're giving the horse that you're working on distance. Or if you can, move your horse you know, deeper into his paddock so he's further away from the horses and, and see if there's a change. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these things are all testable. And I think that's one of the things that we want. Another one of those shifts in our thinking is that it's not so much, say, asking somebody for an answer, because this is not recipe training. Tell me the answer. You know, it's, it's more saying, well, let's, let's come up with some ideas of what it might be, of what might be going on. And let's test it. Let's find out. So if sitting down changes the reaction to the target, that's really interesting information. If moving away from the fence so you're further from the other horses, uh, your horse begins to relax. Instead of snatching the food off your hand, takes the food more softly. Well, that's interesting information. So now how are you going to arrange the environment moving forward so that that social pressure is not there. And then what can you do to work on getting your your horses so that they are comfortable being closer together and there isn't that feeling from, from your first horse that he's about to be driven away by the other horses. So And it's it, very it's a very powerful thing. I mean yeah. the hierarchy in the herd, you don't want to work against that. Yeah. No, you don't. You don't. That would sit under Jesus's statement of don't fight extinction. What I really like in all of this is you know, that, that really with our training, we're asking questions. We're always asking questions. We're asking questions of our horses. You know, I, I, want to, I, want, I want to run my hand across this horse's back. And the question I'm asking is, is this all right with you? Mm-hmm. you know, is this okay with you? So if I stroke you with the, with my hand, you can tell me if it's okay through your behavior. Yeah. And if it's not okay, then I want to notice that and do something about it and not just not just ignore it and keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the mark of really good trainers is that they notice 
and they care. They care about how their horse is feeling. Yeah. You know, it's it's not simply, well, yeah, he doesn't really like being groomed, but you know, I want to ride. Mm-hmm. So so just stand there and take it, horse. You know, I want to ride. And instead they they really care that and they want the grooming to be something that the horse enjoys, and so they pay attention. And when they run their hand over the horse's back, they really see it as a question. Is this okay with you? Mm-hmm. Is this something that you're not... Some, and it's, it's more than, is it okay? It's more than, is this something you can tolerate and accept? It's, is this something you can enjoy? And for sure, we all know that when something is forced on us, it's very hard to enjoy it, you know. Yes. It's the fact that you have a choice that makes it enjoyable. Yes, and that if it's something that I don't openly enjoy, that you, know, you, you, you care enough to take the time to see if there's a way that that, that can be changed in some way. You know, what is it that we could do that would make this a more pleasant experience for you? Well, maybe we could move off of the cross ties out of this really narrow barn aisle where all of the horses are exerting pressure on you, even though they're in stalls, there's still a sense of that sort of crowding of the herd. And maybe we could take the a mat out into the barnyard and groom you out there. And maybe I could include lots of scritching and clicking for scritching and make it a much more enjoyable, fun experience for you. And that I care enough to do it. There are lots of things that you can do to change the situation. And again, it's that cultural fog where if we've been brought up in you know, in formal barns, grooming is done on cross ties. Yeah. Yeah. And and you may not think that there are other options. Oh right, I could groom out in the paddock. I I, I don't actually like grooming horses in their stalls because you know they eat in their stalls and I don't want all that all the dirt and so on going down onto their hay pile. But you know, certainly going going out into a paddock, going out into the sunshine and doing a grooming lovely thing to do yeah yeah and they can certainly change their minds about you know what they think about grooming I remember Bonanza again when I first had him he hated being groomed Uh, he wouldn't even let me on his side when he knew I was going to groom him and now he will chase anyone away if I'm grooming him in the paddock it's like she's grooming me so what did you do to change that? Well, you know, I went very gradually. I started, first of all, I, I probably started using only the soft brush. And just, well, even before that, I would reinforce him. First, I did groom him in the box. I would not put him on. He hates to be on cross ties. So I, I do groom him in the box, even if there's a little bit of dust going. I preferred uh, that to... Mm, having yeah, him it's tied. just my bias yeah no, that's just now my now i can groom him anywhere but at that time i did groom him right. inside the box i would reinforce him for allowing me on his sides without even taking a brush out and you know i've done 
it's it's been a long time now that he does like it so it's I don't remember everything but I know I went into really small step there would be one side that was easier than the other side I would keep it very short I wouldn't care if he wasn't spotless you know after a session as long as he was still happy about being groomed I, I don't remember everything it seems like an easy thing to do <laughs> Even Woody, when I had him, he wasn't very keen on being uh, being groomed. And now he, he likes it. He does like it not to, you know, for me, when I get a massage, I don't like the kind of massage where they put a lot of pressure. I prefer right. lighter massage. Some people don't. They'll say, it's, you know, if I don't feel it really like harder, it's not enjoyable. So I think Woody is in that category. He likes he likes it when it's not too uh, like abrupt. And he's right. never very uh, dirty because he will not roll in the mud. He just hates mud. But Pico and Bonanza can get really dirty and they don't <laughs> mind a good brush. You know, they don't mind if it's if it, there's vigor in it, but not Woody. So again, you have to read your animal. Yes. And it's so interesting and to hear that these things are changeable. Oh, so changeable. You know, that you can have something that the horse really objects to. Mm-hmm. Michaela Hempen, who we've had several times on the podcast, she's working with Blondie, the, the mayor who mm-hmm. was part of her cribbing experiment. And she's posted some just brilliant, brilliant video where she was showing that Blondie, she was she did a baseline video of Blondie's reaction to saddle, okay. and to saddle being put on her back, and and you can see the you know the tension and the sort of teeth grinding. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I'll stand here because you know my previous life I learned that you you have to, but oh, I really hate this thing. And, and that was the baseline. And then Michaela took Blondie away from the area in which she would do normally do the grooming and the saddling to reteach saddling. So mm-hmm. she changed the environment, mm-hmm. really important. She changed the environment. And then she gave Blondie uh, say in the procedure. So yep. she, she didn't use a saddle initially. She used a saddle uh, like a bareback pad, uh, yeah. a pad because because it was lighter. Yeah, and it was a change. It was still a change too to reteach it. Right, but it was lighter. That's why yeah, she, yeah. she did it because what she taught <laughs> Blondie, right? What she taught Blondie was, uh, and beginning with a really small kernel of a loop, yeah. was to come forward towards the saddle okay. pad that she was mm-hmm. holding. And then eventually to come forward from a distance and to go underneath the saddle pad so that she was basically putting the saddle pad on yeah. herself. Okay. And, you know, so that Michaela could, at the end, hold the saddle pad uh, up in the air and Blondie, who's 20 feet away, will walk over and just sort of slide herself underneath the saddle pad. And there it is on her back and her, and her face is wonderfully relaxed. And I think, you know, you, you always continue to ask because even today, my first two clicks when I groom Bonanza, the first one, I will show him the, the curry brush or whatever, and I'll click him. It's like I'm saying, okay, look, this is the brush I'm going to groom you now. 
And then I'll put the, the brush on him and I will click him immediately just for, it's like I'm asking him, is it okay? Can I, and okay, thank you. Click treat. And then I, I start grooming. Right. So you never, you never take it for granted that it's yes. You can always ask politely, may I? You know, it takes it takes 10 seconds to do that. And it 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 also it's because it's like I'm I'm showing him before. This is what we're going to do. And and he's okay with it. You know, he doesn't yeah. mind it at all anymore. But I always ask, please may I? And you develop rituals. So that yeah. that's that's a ritual, that please may I yeah. is a ritual. And when we follow those rituals, they lead us to good habits and they become part of the expectation and it makes it so much easier to say yes absolutely when it's something that you understand and you expect yeah well and i i think having the really acknowledging that we are creatures of of habit we we fall into patterns and that's a good thing so you make some of these questions these these asking for for permission part of the pattern part of the ritual and it just keeps things on a nice even keel and then the day that they say no is the day that you know the red flags go up because if they normally are perfectly fine you know normally bonanza or pico says oh absolutely i'll just stand here and you can groom me but today they shift away or they don't want it then that's when you say okay what's going on you know did you did you get kicked and you're you know you're sore in your ribs so you don't want me touching you there Mm -hmm. uh you know are you feeling a little colicky so you know what's going on that's that's a red flag and that's why this communication and thinking of it as a communication and not as bad behavior oh my horse was such a pill today he wouldn't stand still for grooming mm-hmm. you know that's not that's not helpful that's not useful for the horse but thinking of it as communication and you know he normally stands still normally he's fine for grooming today he's not what is he trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. And now let me put on my detective hat and figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We always want to be listening. You know, that, that's what the horses are teaching us is to be good listeners. Part of the reason that I, I think it's so important that we explore the positive reinforcement and we explore these ideas is not just because it helps us with our horses, but there's a ripple effect out into the rest of our lives. And I think more than ever these days, we need to really become good at listening to the other, you know, listening to other people, listening to somebody else's view of the world, somebody else's opinion. You know, the last podcast we talked about different reinforcers. Why do you hold such a very different view of the world than I do? What is reinforcing that behavior? All of these things, the the horses help us to have a much more even keel in terms of being able to navigate the very choppy waters of our modern times. And, and this learning to listen, caring enough to listen, 
is all part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that seems like a, a good note to end on. You know, we'll, we've, we've had people listening to us for half an hour <laughs> or so. And so they've been practicing their listening skills and they can, we'll, we'll send everybody off to go groom their horses and, and ask questions and see what, what answers their horses get back to them. Good idea. Good idea. Yes. So we'll, we'll talk next week. Bye. We're publishing this podcast the day before Thanksgiving. So I want to wish everyone in the U.S. a very happy holiday. I know for so many of you, this will be a very different kind of holiday from the one that you were hoping for. After such a long year, I know people were looking forward to a holiday gathering with friends and family. We are all learning new ways to create those connections, which means that in an odd way, the coronavirus has created a wonderful opportunity to truly turn this into a holiday of gratitude. We have to find the good things that have come about because of the virus, and this may well be one of them. I was half listening the other day to the TED Radio Hour on the radio. I'm not sure what the theme of the program was for this week. I was in the middle of a project, so I was going in and out of the room in which the radio was playing. I wasn't really paying attention, but one statement jumped out at me from Guy Raz, that there is research that shows that expressing gratitude contributes to an individual's sense of happiness and well-being. Well, it seems to me that if we're going to call the holiday Thanksgiving, that it's a great opportunity to express gratitude. I've never really liked the traditional way of celebrating Thanksgiving that's centered around the holiday meal. There's all that food and all that chaos. It's not my cup of tea. But a day to celebrate with gratitude, the things that matter and that enrich our lives, that makes sense to me. And that definitely fits with the events of the year. Big things and small things. I'm going to be thinking with gratitude about what I've been learning over this past year. I won't clutter up your listening by going through the list. We all know that horses are going to feature prominently in any expression of gratitude. I will just add that I'm grateful to Dominique for sharing this podcast experience with me. And I'm grateful to all of you for listening. That's the reinforcement that keeps us going. Last week, we announced that we're offering a holiday discount on our Listen and Learn audio course on Applied Behavioral Analysis with Mary Hunter. This, in a way, is our gift back to you as a thank you for being part of the Equosity experience. So visit Equosity to learn more about the course and have a very wonderful Thanksgiving Day. Stay well, stay safe, and enjoy your horses.